0: Hello, I'm Allie Mahan, and you're listening to Turn It Up, the official customer success podcast. Turn It Up is brought to you by Receptive, the leaders in product demand intelligence, helping customer success teams navigate the murky waters of customer feedback. This week on the podcast, I talk with the amazing Linda Schwaber-Cohen, who is a training manager at SkillJar. There's no messing about on this episode. It's 30 minutes packed full of juicy and practical tips from the training master herself. My favorite bit is when Linda shares her biggest pet peeve she sees with software training, and it will be sure to change how you approach your own. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love to see a review in the iTunes store and hope you enjoy the show today. Hi, Linda. Thanks for coming on the podcast today.
1: Hi, Allie. Thanks for having me.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit about your role at SkillJar?
1: Yeah. So I'm the training manager at SkillJar. Um, I deliver our training offer and I work with customers on their training strategies. um, So specifically building our on-demand training platform. And my specialty is really in onboarding for software companies. I really love to focus on onboarding and adoption and those areas of the customer lifecycle.
0: Perfect. What is your background?
1: Yeah. So originally I was a teacher. Um, I taught middle school through university, pretty much. Um, and I always really had a passion around enabling people, um, around helping people excel at whatever they're doing. Um, and I always lived in these big tech communities. So I was kind of excited about the opportunity to make a jump into tech. And when I moved to Seattle, that's what I did. So bridging that gap between teacher and traditional education with tech education and onboarding.
0: Yeah, that's really, really interesting. That was one of the first questions I had for you. Was I saw that you had that teaching and training experience. And, and my first question is, like, do you think it's important for CSMs to have an education background? And especially the ones who focus on onboarding and training?
1: You know, I don't necessarily think that they need an education background, but there are a few key things that they'll learn along the way. And one thing that's funny is actually most training people that I meet kind of just ended up there, Um, and I joke about it a lot because I ask a lot of the different training professionals that I meet, "How did you end up in training?" And it's usually this winding path. So I definitely don't think that for CSMs it's important that they have an education background. It's rare that you really find that, Um, but. I think there are a few things that they can think about. Um for one, there's content and delivery. So when you're creating any kind of training offer, you have to think about what's important to teach. So taking the time to really understand your audience, analyzing the specific activities that will make your customers successful. So if you're working in software, understanding specifically what those goals are, what you need them to achieve early. And once you've done that, you can recruit help around how to actually do the delivery of the training session and maybe that's a live training session. Maybe that's creating an on-demand course. Maybe it's just a quick video. In fact, most learners today, I think really do appreciate videos. So some of the more traditional uh, training formats aren't as popular these days. Um, and if there were one thing that I really would want my CSM friends to know, I would say, don't confuse help content with training. Help content is a really reactive, piece of content. It's something that users find when they need a solution to a problem that they're having. And it tends to be really disjointed and you need to search for every single query you might have, every single question you might have. Um, But education is proactive, just like a lot of our CSM work is. Um, So it's important to deflect help requests through education or contribute to success as a result of that education early on. So I would say it's not necessary for a CSM to have that education background, but it is necessary for them to really kind of put themselves into the education mindset and understand what things they need to teach and and how.
0: Oh, that's a really good point. So do you have any tips for just getting started in in teaching and getting that kind of knowledge and that background um, that you would have had, you know, learning how to be a teacher?
1: Yeah, definitely. And there are some things about being a teacher that are really similar to working in tech and customer success. And there are other things that I think are a little bit varied, mostly because the students that you're working with as a teacher may not really be as invested in their own success as a lot of the time our customers are. And sometimes you see that in customers, too, I guess. But um, it's kind of It's it's really exciting to be involved in onboarding because it's the first foot in the door and customers want to be successful with your product. They just came off of making a big investment, potentially, and they really want to understand how they can see that value. Um, And there are a few ways for CSMs without that training background that that they can really catch up. I think it's pretty easy. Um, This is a plug, but first of all, you can start by out the resource section in SkillJar because, and I know I write a lot of that and I have a colleague here who writes a lot of it, but we have a bunch of eBooks that can really help you plan a customer training strategy. And I think that's something that every CSM who doesn't have a training counterpart in their their company should really do is sit down and say, well, what does training look like for our customers at this company? and go through that exercise. And and what I advocate for is really what I'd call a crawl, walk, run approach. Not every training program can have dedicated resources right away. It's often in the beginning, especially your CSMs building this in their downtime. What downtime, right? So it's usually like (laughs) a little bit of everything. And so maybe CSMs are helping, maybe even product is helping a little bit, making sure that customers are adopting. And as you do this, um, I like to start by thinking about the smallest thing I could do that will have the most impact, especially when there are limited resources. It's kind of like, what's the least amount of work I can do and actually make a difference to my customers. So what's the most important thing that they should know? Or is it, is it maybe just kind of having a webinar every month, for example, or is it maybe creating a drip campaign of emails? So something simple that's really going to just drive them towards, specific activities in your application. So I think that there are different options depending on who you are and what's right for your customers, but start small and start with just picking that thing that's going to have a lot of impact. Um, and a great example of that is actually when we launched Skilljar Academy. So, SkillJar Academy basically just has on-demand courses for customer onboarding, specifically for SkillJar customers. And almost immediately, it was actually funny because our CSMs were saving so much time. They were elevating their conversations in such a nice way, but they were taken aback at first because they were used to only doing these live trainings where they would have the first call with the customer, and, and half of it would be going through the ropes of the actual application. So customers were now saying, oh, they would get on the call with the with the CSM and they would say, oh, I actually know this stuff. You don't have to walk me through it. And then the CSMs were saying, well, what else can we talk about, um, which I think is great because it's an opportunity to say, what are those strategic conversations that we would have loved to have time for all along um, that now we do have time for? So that was able to make. A really nice impact
0: that's awesome that is such a good point we've recently done something similar at receptive not not quite but we've it was just something little and i, I really wish i would have had that quote actually because i would have done this a long time ago but we put together a a series an email series and it's basically all the strategic advice behind our product and like the way the way it should be managed and the way it should be used and the theory behind how to manage feedback better um, and how to respond to each thing and the conversations have changed drastically they just start off knowing that stuff and then the conversations we have are more about what are your goals and how are we going to get there do you have any advice about how to kind of decide what content to train on so in that case we're doing more theory at skilljar did you focus on how to use the product when you when you did the webinars Actually,
1: we did this a lot at the last company that I worked at called Simply Measured, where um, I collaborated with products and basically we did a huge analysis around what features customers that tend to renew are using most. So it was really like a deep dive into the data um, to say what behaviors do our best customers have and what behaviors do our worst customers have and how can we drive more of our customers towards these best practices and that's what we did so we identify these behaviors really simply and you could do it with data but as customer success folks you know intuitively to some extent what makes customers successful and what features customers are seeing the most value out of so start there start with those like easy wins that you know customers will be like wow i just like did something great as a result of this learning and go from there so really just figuring out what your best customers are doing and what's going to drive the most value. That's what I would highlight first.
0: Now that we've talked about Skilljar a little bit, do you want to tell us kind of who what Skilljar does and, and who your customers are?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So we work um, a lot with customer success teams, also a little bit of marketing and, and product as well. But Skilljar is a modern, easy to use learning management system. So we help our customers accelerate onboarding and adoption for their customers Um, And we drive customer engagement, and we do that through beautiful training experiences backed by data. Um, And our customers tend to be focused on customer and partner training at their companies. Um, Some of our customers include companies like Verizon, Tableau, Cisco, and also some smaller companies as well, naturally. Um, So we really think about training all day, every day, um, and customer enablement.
0: Awesome. That's exciting. So what's one, I guess, surprising learning moment that you've had in the last few months at SkillJar? So one thing I do at
1: SkillJar is I spend a lot of time at conferences, um, which is really fun because I get to meet all sorts of different training professionals doing all sorts of different things. Um, And recently I decided I was going to ask them a lot about how they're using data to understand really the performance of their training programs and if it's really making an impact on the bottom line and, and truly driving customer success. Um, and I, what I realized is that there's a huge opportunity for training and customer enablement professionals to really use data to demonstrate the value of what they're doing in customer training. Um, and I mean this from a customer perspe- customer success perspective. So these training professionals, they're going through all the steps. They're planning. They're training customers. Um, and we see often that it becomes this daily grind, right? You're kind of in a hamster wheel. The program really successful and they're just not doing a great job of bubbling that up to the right people. So they're just doing the same thing and nothing ever really gets to evolve um, because they're not showing the C-suite how valuable training is to the business. Um, And the data that they're usually looking at, I would say, is training data. So how many students are completing a given course or how many students are registering for a course, let's say. But there's a lot of additional work to do. And what I'm particularly interested in and what we talk a ton about here at SkillJar is these bigger data points around customer success. So one example is, um, is a customer who takes training more or less likely to renew their subscription or more or less likely to expand or do customers who churn take training or do they tend to um, avoid it? So maybe that's part of the problem. So the questions that I'm trying to answer is how is training actually impacting that customer success? And once you can answer these types of questions, you can really easily activate customer success teams around the data. And we have some customers who are doing that actually, who take their training data and they plug it into their customer success platform, like their game site or their Amity. Um, and, Once they're able to do that, then they can drive their customers towards these trainings um, and they can activate their customer success teams around the data in a real way. So I think this is really important in the SaaS economy because we see that customers really expect you to make them successful. There's this expectation coming into the whole experience. And if those customers who take training are truly more successful, you really want to make sure that you get that information to customer success so that they can be singing the praises of training, so that they can be driving every single customer to training from the very start. And it's really a shame that you don't see this more because I think demonstrating these successes with data is a really great way to get more resources so that you can do even more and delight your customers even more um, and build on that education program. And when I talk about an education program, I don't usually just think about training. I think about a few different aspects. So there is training, and maybe that's live training, maybe that's on-demand training. But there's also other ways that customers are learning. Maybe if you have a customer community, for example, um, and you can do the same thing, do customers who contribute to our customer community, are they healthier? Are they less healthy in some way? I doubt that. They're probably more dedicated to your product. They probably are excited to collaborate with other customers. Um, And maybe sometimes they have problems, but usually what's great about community is that it's a great way to get answers and find best practices from other people who are actually using your product. So there's the community aspect and then there's help center um, and there's support as well. So I think of customer enablement as a whole, when I think about education um, and I try and understand how each of those pieces are really impacting the journey.
0: That's great. So do you have any tips for how, let's say, Um, somebody here had a free afternoon, how could they kind of start tracking that and um, communicating that? Yeah.
1: All you need is Excel and data around your customer retention. So if you have Salesforce or some other CRM, or even if you're using Google sheets, if you're super tiny, for example, no reason to avoid this exercise. All you have to do is kind of look at that data and see which of those customers actually engaged in training. So The trick is really to keep good records of training and make sure that if a customer is participating in any kind of training activity that you're actually recording that somewhere. Um, And then you just have to cross-reference those two data points. So which of our customers on this list of let's say 100 customers, how many of them took training? And just start recording that data. And then over time you'll be able to see if it's making an impact depending on how far along you are and what your renewal cycle is. So just comparing that data.
0: Okay, cool. So as companies scale, let's say they want to get out of the spreadsheets and you said you've seen people using, did you say Gainsight and Salesforce for, for tracking this? Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for how to actually do that at scale?
1: Yeah. Um. One thing I'll say is as you build out your customer success tech stack, and this is really important early on as well as later on, you're going to want to choose tools that integrate nicely with one another. Um, So one way that I know our customers have done it with Gainsight a lot is utilizing SkillJar's uh, Salesforce integration. So once all that data from training, for example, is in Salesforce, then Gainsight just sits on top of Salesforce and they just use the same data to inform their health score. So one thing, like one option is understanding, for example, if you're selling training access which is something that a lot of companies, especially SaaS companies will do um, at the outset, one thing you could do is you can say how many of the customers who we sold training to actually came and redeemed that voucher, let's say. If you're using a system that allows for it, like like a skill jar, like like any kind of LMS, then you might be able to track that information. So what our system does, for example, is is it it says, oh, this account only used two out of 10 access codes that they were granted to actually go in and learn. Um, So that's a red flag. Why, what happens to the other eight seats and why aren't they utilizing those? Um, Are there other contacts at that organization that we want to empower? So I would say, the trick to doing this is really just making sure that all of your systems talk to each other well um, and integrate well. And and look look out for that when you're first purchasing because it's tempting when you're little, especially in, um, and um, I I love startup life so that's kind of where I tend to spend my time. Um, when you're first buying these tools and when you're first making these investments, it's it's tempting to go with the less expensive one or the one that suits your needs right now but uh, you should really consider kind of the cost of switching tools later so if a more enterprise tool you know will be what you need in two years then um consider how long that switch will take you and if it's six months which some of these tools like crm implementation can take a long time consider kind of the cost of switching later um, and maybe avoid investing in tools that don't speak to one another.
0: We say the same thing all the time. (laughs) Like, okay, this might be good for managing 200 feature requests a year, but how are you going to do that at scale? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely important to think about at any size. So tell me about a, I really like this question. Tell me about a pet peeve that you have with like software training.
1: One thing that I see pretty frequently is feature-based training. Um, What do I mean by that? So basically, feature-based training would be saying, this is how you click this button. It's very typical in help content. So you search for something in particular, and it's very specific to one feature. Um, Let's say, for example, uh, we'll name the feature Abracadabra. So if I have no idea what Abracadabra is the terminology that I use for my application is probably not the terminology that my customers are used to. So when you're teaching to one particular feature, you're avoiding the whole conversation around what are customers actually trying to achieve in your product. So whenever you're thinking about education, and this is especially important for live training. Um, I joke about live training cause I've done like thousands of live training onboardings for customers and Sometimes I I, I worry that half of those training sessions went in one ear and out the other. Um, And that's even taking into account a a more personalized approach. When you do feature training, like feature by feature, you really risk that of people not really getting to absorb what you're teaching them because it's not goal-based. It's not looking at the bigger picture for them and it's not looking at what they want to achieve. So. The problem is once again with that approach or that you, you created your naming conventions. You don't know if the customer understands its name um, and they can't get help if they don't know what to call it. They don't know what to search for in your help section, for example. Um, and with more complex products, it's a really dangerous trap to fall into because a, feature tra- a feature-based training program doesn't actually connect the dots for the customer. It doesn't give them those aha moments that really help the learning seep in um, and help them really understand exactly what they're, what they're trying to achieve. So in order to overcome this, I like to recommend that a CSM or a training professional starts by mapping the goal. So saying, what does the customer actually need to be able to accomplish in our tool? Um, and then from there, you go ahead and you list all the features that they need to use in order to do that. Because most goals in most complex software requires the use of a few different features in in order to actually achieve that goal. So take that into account and teach about the goal with the features underneath it. So the expectation is today we're going to learn how to accomplish this thing. Um, And in order to accomplish this thing, you need to know these four other things. Um, And we're gonna practice that a few different times. And um, so that's kind of the approach that I prefer to take. Um, and actually there's a few different resources. Particularly, SkillsR has a content planning map that you can grab from our website. It's free. Um, and that's one way that you can kind of go and start thinking about it the right way. And the cool thing about this is that you might actually have resources already. So once you go through this this process, you say what's the goal? What are the features that line up to that goal? And then you say, what content do I have to support the education around these features? You might have five different videos. And then you can say, oh, actually, I've already made this health content. I can string these together in a logical flow um, to help customers understand how to reach the end goal, which is so much bigger than this tiny feature.
0: Does that relate to knowledge base content as well? So knowledge base,
1: I think of a little bit differently. I like to think of it more from the feature perspective. But there's room for both. So what I like to do in the beginning of most of my help articles will be like a quick two sentences around this is why you'll actually want to use this feature. So it might be feature-based to begin with, but you're going to have that little context on the top that says, this is part of this bigger thing or this is the use case around this particular feature. And then you're kind of combining both in a way. And then I would say also, Allie, when you have multiple resources so if you do have the resources where you have a help center as well as an lms for example as well as a community once you have all of those there's a big job around connecting those so in order for a customer to have a truly rich and complete training experience and education experience it's nice to understand when they're in a help article um, if they're really interested in this particular topic, is there a place that they can go for more extensive learning? Maybe your learning management system, for example. Or if they have questions about this particular topic in the help article, maybe there's actually a specific forum in your community where people are talking about that. So linking to that. So really just providing the experience where customers can go in and out of all of these things. Ideally, like single sign-on, right? So ideally, they don't have to log out. It, feels like a completely cohesive experience between all of these systems. And then you have a real resource that customers know any question I possibly could have, I know where to find the answer. Um, and it relieves a lot of that anxiety around learning a new product and, and learning new behaviors around that product.
0: I do have Kind of one other question before, before we wrap up. I saw in one of your articles on the Amity website that you talk about creating value in every interaction. And I was just curious, do you have any examples of how to do that in the first few interactions with customers? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think it's important to understand
1: like the different ways that people think about value. So there's value in your product and then there's value in the interaction, right? So when I think about the first part of that journey, day one, you bought a product, you really want to know what happens next. And if you've ever purchased a B2B software, it's not consistent across the board. Not everybody does this, not everybody sets up their customers on day one with a plan of what's going to happen next. So what I think is a really great way to add value early on um, is to really present onboarding to the customers. So setting those expectations, going into the first couple of calls, I think customers aren't yet sure if you're really going to guide them or if they have to do things themselves because it's really inconsistent, especially across software. You have especially like B2C software where there's no way that you're going to buy like Photoshop and then somebody's going to give you a training free of charge, for example. Like you're going to buy Photoshop and then it's your responsibility to learn how to use it that's very different for B2B SaaS. I think a lot of the time there is that expectation. We spoke about that earlier. So now it's setting those expectations properly, providing documentation, letting your customer know exactly what steps are involved in onboarding at the outset, writing them down for them, right? And next to each activity that occurs in onboarding. So maybe Maybe your your product's complex and it takes several days to truly onboard customers. So letting them know exactly what the steps are going to be and then who is needed for each one. Because for most of our tools, there might be a few power users at a given company but then there's probably a whole bunch of other stakeholders that might need to use only a few features. So really making sure that you're, you're thinking about that and, and letting your champion or your main point of contact know exactly who they're gonna need to, to gather for each section of your onboarding, I think is a, a great way um, that you can add that value for a few reasons. Um, first of all, I think organization is a really good look for a company, especially when you're small, like if you're disorganized, it's really a shame for the customer. It's a shame for you. You're missing like a a huge opportunity to make that first impression. And I think it's really appreciated for, by a customer when you have all your ducks in a row and when you know exactly what you're going to do. And secondly, it maintains momentum. So customers get off of, you closed a deal. Customers are excited, that's like the one opportunity where they're all yours. So you wanna give them the opportunity to get everything organized on their end in order to maintain that momentum. So I think that's, that's really key. And then one more point is really, if there is something simple, and this depends on how hard implementation is, right? But if there is something simple that they can start by poking around in, give them those challenges, let's say. So in the first call, maybe it's a challenge, like we're gonna talk again in three days, between now and then, um, take and put a time frame around this, right? Because you want to make sure that it's super digestible for the customer. So maybe it's take 20 minutes in the next three days and do these five things. Um, and this is why, right? So it's just start getting a little bit of value, start getting things set up. Maybe it's some of those simple things, right? Most of our applications have some like check the box type tasks where it's just like a quick choice or setting a few things up. So get those underway um, from the kickoff call, Get those, set those expectations.
0: Cool, that's awesome. Just out of curiosity, what does a, let's say you've just signed an enterprise account at SkillJar, what does that first kickoff call look like? Yeah, so SkillJar has
1: a setup where we have CSMs and AMs. Um, so really the AM is there to maintain the relationship and grow that relationship throughout the organization. Our AMs do renewals and expansions. Our CSMs are really specialists when it comes to implementation. They're product experts, so they can really help customers with their questions and kind of what specific things are going to make them successful. And SkillJar, while it's pretty quick, has a pretty complex implementation depending on the needs of the customer. So that's really where our CSMs come in to play, I would say, most. So, what a kickoff call looks like here is really the CSM and the AM gets together with the customer um, and really reviews those goals and sets those expectations for onboarding. Um, so, one of our first pieces that we do here is making sure that we know what success looks like for the customer. So, sometimes that's reiterating from the sales process, or sometimes that's changed because maybe the sales process was like a four month sales process and what they thought half a year ago that they wanted is actually very different than what they want today. So reconfirming what they said in the sales process and saying, is this still what's important to you? And it gives them the opportunity to say, no, actually, now we have some new priorities and these are them. So that's part of the kickoff call. And then it's that start of the onboarding process that we spoke about.
0: Awesome. Final questions. Just a couple more little things to wrap up. So what are your favorite customer success resources or training resources?
1: So because training and customer success are really kind of embed together, I think that they're, I mean, sometimes you have customer success doing training, customer success managers doing the training themselves. I think there's a lot of overlap. One um, resource that I recently became a fan of is the Success Hacker community. So it's just that it's a community. Um, and it's a great forum, and you can come and chat with like-minded professionals, um, get answers to questions, or or just participate and comment on other people's questions if you have some of your own insight to share. Um, so I really, I really do like Success Hacker. And then another... Uh, Another one that I always follow, which, which is probably new to the customer success world, um, is really, it's eLearning Guild. So they have lots of different articles specializing in training. And it's a great place to go and say, hey, um, what are some things that I want to learn? So around that education piece, for example, what are some of the best practices around training? It's a good place to come and get that.
0: Any other content that you'd like to direct listeners to to find out more about SkillJar?
1: Yeah. Check out our blog and um, blog.skilljar.com or just go to skilljar.com and look at our eBooks and our resources section. It's a great place to come. I collaborate with with some of our marketers on that a lot. So it's highly recommended.
0: Perfect. And where can people find you on social media if they have questions or want to get in touch on anything we've talked about today?
1: Yeah. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Linda Schwaber Cohen um, or at Linny Schwab on Twitter, where I'm much less active, but always happy to find new friends there. So, um, connect with me on either one of those forums and I'm happy to answer any questions or just learn from you and participate in any conversations.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Linda, for your time today. This was great. Thank you, Allie. It was a pleasure. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Linda. I know I found it extremely valuable and I'll be applying a lot of the tips that she shared. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, just email Allie at receptive.io or tweet me at Allie Mahan. Thank you so much and talk to you next week.